The length of Boucher there, Middleton. Shot clock down. Giannis, how many steps? Boucher! Boucher! Lowry! And a foul and a collision. Oh, we got Two get Villanova down. Wildcats there. Boucher! The building has erupted. Chris Boucher had a big putback dunk in the first half. And look at this play on Giannis. Get that garbage out of here! Boucher! Look at this right here. Oh, yeah. None of that. Happy quarantine, Boral. This is a special basketball episode, and I think it will be the first of a series while the NBA appears to be out for months and months and months. But we're going to keep you entertained. We know you listeners rely on us and us exclusively for your basketball content, for your British basketball content, for your Toronto Raptors content. And that's why me and uh, my co-host Varal, we will be here to serve you, the people. Yeah, you've you've made us sound somewhat heroic, Camille. I mean, uh, I'm I'm also not quite sure that I'm happy with happy quarantine as an introduction. Um, It seems like it's almost a festive season for yourself. Uh, Perhaps for some others, it's a period of panic, but perhaps our, our positivity uh, I guess we'll leech to our viewers and uh, everyone will be able to keep an enthusiastic mindset during this period. Well, on that note, happy quarantine is we're so happy that we're following government and scientific mandated guidelines to avoid the virus. <laughs> yeah. That's why we're happy. We're all very happy following the rules. And um, exactly. on the other note, yeah. uh, as we know, it's not those at the front line, uh, the NHS or health workers anywhere. They're not the heroes here. Podcasters are the heroes who keep the people entertained. That's all we know, and that's why uh, the intro was as it was. So thanks for your constructive feedback on this, but you know what? I'm going to move straight on. Um, so it's quite interesting. Last time, of course, we discussed uh, the Utah Jazz game, and of course, there's been nothing since. It's been a basketball abyss. The season has been suspended suspended indefinitely there were rumors that okay it's going to come back end of may then there were rumors end of june now no one knows if it will even come back by the end of the year even behind closed doors it's a weird weird time for basketball but you know it's like the off season when nba goes quiet we can actually take a look at things behind the scenes things little side stories that make the league what it is when it's in action And today we're going to look at one of the Raptors' most underrated players. We mentioned him last episode for his heroic performance against the Suns. And interestingly enough, virus-related enough, uh, it is Mr. Chris Boucher, who actually yesterday broke the NBA's mandated self-quarantine as he was photographed at a Canadian grocery store just a day after it went into effect. Uh, he (laughs) He has been subsequently disciplined for this and uh, posted an apology online yesterday. But um, luckily his um, quite strange attitude towards the virus doesn't translate onto the basketball court. This season he's been somewhat of a revelation. He's been a Lucas Neguera type, but with some talent to back that up. 
He's had huge, huge games throughout the season. It started in a sort of November stretch against the likes of the Lakers and the Clippers when the Raptors were injured. But he also learned how to bully more physical centers. You know, he went to, he can bully Vucevic, uh, Biombo, John Collins, those kind of people. And he scored heavily on those teams, delivering 20 plus points against Dallas and Boston. And as we said just last week, a 19 and 15 game against away at the Suns to bring the Raptors to victory before the virus break. Varel, Chris Boucher has had somewhat of an exponential rise to the NBA. And I think I'm going to leave you to, to, in, to basically tell us the story of Mr. Boucher. Tell us the story of one of the Raptors' most underrated heroes. And, of course, once I think you hear this story, you'll respect him even more. Well, this is a story all about Chris Boucher. Um, I know we've done this series before, so previously... Who have we done, Kamel? We've done Terence Davis and... Done TD. Um, I think we just done TD. I believe we did one other player. Uh, Shea Brissett. Um, but... uh, remember him. Clearly, yeah, it was such a memorable episode that it escaped our memories. Um, As you guys have kind of gathered from uh, the structure of those two episodes, we kind of looked at um, pretty much how Kamel described it, just uh, looking at the life journeys of these players and how they kind of made it to the league today. And I think after hearing uh, Chris Boucher's story, you'll start to maybe pick up on some recurring thematic points of perhaps the type of player that coach uh, Nick Nurse is looking for or at least the type of attitude and mentality he's looking for uh, in his Toronto squad so to start off with Chris Boucher um, I'll just take you through what I think uh, I guess the relevant facts in his life and those moments which shaped him as both a person and a player so uh, having been born in St. Lucia, he um, he made a move to Canada when he was five years old. And um, he immigrated to Montreal and to uh, one of the areas in Montreal which has um, the highest immigration status, uh, or let's say highest status of immigrants, uh, which is also predominantly French-speaking. Um, Bonjour! Well, as Jack Boucher likes to say. Yeah, that's... Jack Armstrong, sorry. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, as you can tell, Camille's uh, absolutely completely fluent in French. Um, uh, when Yeah, when it comes to this move, so uh, he it seems to me that he's lived between Montreal Nord and, well, or in his accent, it'd be Montreal Nord and Saint-Michel. And... I think those the reason I bring those two places up is uh, if you just look at the crime statistics of both of those two areas, um, it's among they're among the worst boroughs in the whole of Montreal, and their areas of it are very uh, impoverished and uh, crime riddled, and so this is what Chris Boucher lived through growing up. Um, I, uh, let, let's just to really recap it his whole situation was unstable um, let's fast forward to when he was 15, 16 so um, by this time his parents have separated and he's living with his mother 
who's got this boyfriend who he's having some conflict with some uh you know some arguments and disagreements with and this resulted him in uh, chris actually effectively um being homeless but uh, he was basically stuck between his father, who was very, very strict and who didn't see a lot of potential in Chris. And he thought he was who thought Chris was wasting his time playing basketball uh, during this period. And his mother and boyfriend, who, um, you know, the boyfriend didn't really want him around. And so Chris had to sleep around at friends houses. Um, he had to sleep with his aunts. And unfortunately, on the days where he didn't have somewhere to stay, he was found he found himself on the like um the night buses so the night buses would run to like 5 a.m in the morning and chris would you know i guess take up 700 seats with his lanky lanky frame um and he would just sleep on that bus for like four or five hours uh before continuing with the rest of his day and during this period of time he dropped out of high school so during those two years, he, he was working at, at like a grill. And uh, he, when he reflects on this period in his life, he really talks about his, his lack of ambition. His, uh, he, did, he didn't know what he wanted to do with his future. And then he makes his breakthrough. And when you hear about the breakthroughs of, of a lot of these NBA players, you just think, these guys were just in the right place at the right time. Um, this story is completely bizarre, Kamel. So uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure you may have read it as well. But uh, he just started playing basketball when he was, I think, 16, 17. And sure. during this period, so between the age of 16 and 19, he actually shot up from 6'1 to 6'8. And... Um, so in Montreal, in the Montreal scene, supposedly it's a very small scene. So like most coaches in the area know all of the players who are above certain height. And so Chris tried to join a local team and he listed that he was 6'8". And the guy running the team just wouldn't believe it. He said, no, nah, we would know. We know all the players 6'5 and above. This guy's probably just made up. Yeah. Just so he can, uh, you know, get a trial with the team and what ended up happening was that he played in a park uh, let's say local park tournament uh, organised by like the park scene and that coach just so happened to see Boucher on that day and he kind of connected the dots and realised this is the same guy who contacted him uh, previously yeah. yeah. Uh, um, he he uh, straight away he saw that this guy had potential, and so what he did, he set up this academy called Alma Academy, which was six hours away from Montreal. Uh, not because of Chris Boucher, it was something he'd been planning anyway. And he went to Chris Boucher's house. He spoke with both his parents and asked them for permission to take Chris and to take him to this academy so he could finish his high school and to receive his high school diploma. Fine. His dad... Dedication. Yeah. And um, he had to convince both his parents. So his dad kind of... He he was very strict, but he also wanted what was best for Chris. And he thought 
you know, if he's able to receive his high school diploma as a result of going to the academy, that that was probably the best way forward for Chris. And his mom said the same, but supposedly, according to one article, she said, you know, uh, <laughs> something along the lines of, uh, you know, she would. I'm not sure if she said she would hurt them, but you know, she, let's say she said something along the lines of she'd be extremely upset and angry if something happened to Chris while he's out there. Yeah. Uh, but th- this I can't confirm. This is just according to one article. But um, so that's when he made the decision. And let's say, long story short, um, from that point forward, uh, Chris's life pretty much turned around. Um, his coach at Alma Academy said that due to the fact that this was the, his first year of stability and indeed playing at the academy was his first year of organised basketball so he was 19 when he first started playing organised basketball which again shows you how much natural talent this guy has yeah I mean you think of um, I mean you think of someone like Siakam's story and how it's always yep. highlighted yep. that he played just his first season was 14 I know that's still difficult but the difference you get, you know, even if you play a little bit in middle school and high school, the difference you get, 19 is like, you've done, most people have done their first year of college and what he's never played anything but pick up, which is crazy, which is crazy. And, pick, and he'd only started playing pick up when he was 16. Just, even, he, he never touched the basketball before then. Wow. The only other player I know as outside of basketball this is, um, I think Olivier Giroud played uh, football at a very very late age he's, he's of course a striker for is it Chelsea or has he been Chelsea, transferred Chelsea right yeah um, so you know these these stories are very uncommon they're few and far between and um, that's why um, I think this is something Kamel will come on to later but that's why even at 27 this guy has not reached his peak and he's still improving year on year Um his rate of growth is phenomenal and again just to illustrate this um, so from Alma Academy he moves to America and he does two years of Juco College which uh, is kind of like before what you before uh, Division 1 basketball Um, and in his second year of Juco basketball he puts up 44% from three and 65% from the field he has I think five blocks a game 12 rebounds a game and uh, as as a result of this uh, let's say let's uh, say what say what it is it's an absolutely phenomenal season he gets recognized by Oregon and transfers to Oregon for two years where he completes a sociology degree and at this moment in time he's uh, after his playing career he's uh, looking to become a therapist and I think to kind of summarize what kind of uh, life he's lived and what kind of person he is I'd I'd like to quote Chris himself Um, this is from an article by Sports Illustrated it was just how Boucher approached every potential good thing in his life with a scepticism born from years of having seen things put in peril by ill-timed obstacles I've always felt like there's no point in me thinking further ahead because it might not happen, Boucher says. You could tell me in two years you're going to be a millionaire, but who knows? 
I could wake up tomorrow and go to jail or something. So whatever you'll tell you tell me, I'd never say I don't want that to happen. But I'd be like, we'll see what happens. That's why I'm always surprised when good things come to me. Sorry, I'm just I'm just wiping a tear, man. That's pretty good. I, I'd be indicative of why. Yep, go on, Camille. No, no, I was, just, I was just starting to get a bit emotional. It's a good quote. I mean, it, it's, it's incredible. I think that's he's, a he's beautiful a gen- such outlook a genuine on life. Guy, such a genuine player, you know. Yeah, that's it's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Um, and um, so after his time at Oregon, uh, he went to Golden State, and well, this is another roadblock and another obstacle he had. He actually tore his ACL. Um, during his uh, senior season at Oregon and so he went undrafted he had to make his way to the G League with the Warriors who then waived him and just when things looked most bleak uh, he got picked up by the Raptors and he went on to become the G League MVP despite only playing 28 games because he's been called up by the Raptors in the 2018-2019 season. Sorry, just before before that um, yes, 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 he of course was an NBA champion before he moved to the Raptors, his record with the Warriors was not the greatest. <laughs> I mean, he played a total. Well, it was it was almost like the triple one, right? You think of the one, one, one. He played one minute yeah. in, total in the Warriors 2018 championship winning season. Took one three pointer, missed, and got one rebound. Um, so just the important most to know his contribution to that. He's yeah. almost like Pat McCall levels of uh, ring chasing, or well, let's say just not ring chasing really, but more so uh, just luck, let's say. Maybe the only luck uh, Boucher's really ever uh, had in his life. Um, That's nice. I like that. Uh, but, you know, this guy's uh, just, I, I basically summarized everything I had to say. He's, he's really gone from strength to strength. He's improved year on year. And uh, I just think. Uh, just that quote I think he's honestly somebody that everyone can learn from Um, let's say uh, corona incident aside um, (laughs) he's certainly somebody that uh, we can all learn from when it comes to his his attitude towards life oh for sure for sure and um, he's another one of those players which we and I've talked about this on the podcast before that we were thinking of waving before the season just because of his inability to develop. But then you look at his story. Okay, he's 27 years old, but he started, as you said, he started playing properly at 19. He at 27 is not his reached anywhere near his potential yet. He could reach his potential, ironically, when he reaches his early 30s. You know, he's still. Yes should be considered yeah. in basketball terms a young player right because he only played in some of his Absolutely. first games last season uh, he played 28 games for the Raptors last season he didn't have any you know games that would set the world alight but as I said at the start of the show he's put in some elite performances and he provides something very different something very different right he's not the strongest guy he's obviously got quite a skinny frame but you see his ability to rebound again especially against some of the bigger centers and you sort of wonder sort of think about his intelligence his positioning you see his ability in the clutch as well he's not scared right you for example i bring up the the comeback against the mavericks when raps were 30 points down 
Boucher was throughout in the lineup that led the Toronto back uh, to somehow win that game. And it was, in fact, his... Uh, Camille, uh, well, I mean, yes, uh, just to make a point there, I, I, of course, I haven't watched every minute of the NBA season, but from what I've seen, um, that was the greatest defensive performance this year, the single-game performance. Um, he played a safety in that game. He, he, was, he, he was pretty much a safety. Um, something that's been praised throughout his um, career is his motor and supposedly that he says that comes from his football playing days so before he played basketball he actually played football but in that game he was uh, everywhere he blocked two three point shots uh, which both of those blocks we and Kamel talked about it both of them seemed incomprehensible I don't think anyone else in the league bar maybe Yanis would have made those blocks um it was, I think, the single greatest defensive game that we've seen this season. Oh, yeah. And um, it was his, in fact, he did a, he's working very well with Kyle Lowry. His pick and roll, um, you know, compl- put, put the Raptors ahead in, in that Dallas game. And then against uh, the Suns, uh, also, in fact, put the he- put the, them ahead against the Suns in their recent game. He's also one yeah. of the only players to both block and then dunk on Giannis uh, in his career. So, you know, that's already something. That's already mini trophy. His yeah. uh, but going forward, I mean, you know, you, you, you can be sure. Well, I was about to say you can be sure he's working really hard in the offseason. But then, of course, I just mentioned he's been uh, sanctioned for um, breaking quarantine. But that's neither here nor there. I'm sure on an individual level, he'll be working, working. He'll be one of the players that is grinding simply in the offseason. Uh, if we count this as the offseason, of course. But... You know, he is that kind of player. You can keep him as a 10th, 11th man, and he'll be one of the best in that sort of depth range in the league. But this is where I pose a question to you, Kamel. Please. Because I know we talk about, you know, the Raptors' depth and um, how it's such a big strength for the team. And, you know, if there had been a playoffs, that it would have been possibly the best bench unit Um out of any playoff team and I ask you this um, would Boucher be better served in terms of his own personal development in moving to another team and potentially potentially I could see some teams out there Camille where he may even be getting starter level minutes Boucher needs to be on a winning team and he needs to have the kind of chances that the Raptors have given him. I don't think even if he moved to a rebuilding team, you know, you know, I don't think he's ready to start 30 plus minutes in the NBA yet. He's still developing. He's still working out his own play style, his own body, his own sort of building his own athleticism. So I don't think he's ready for a move to another team, and if, even if it is a rebuilding team, because I don't think a team will give him the chances like the Raptors have done. Because, um, yeah, sometimes he does go disappear. Sometimes he struggles in his matchup. You know, it's not, it's, not, it's not uncommon, especially even this season. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say he's, uh, he's, he's, he's... People will be scouting him with such vigour. I think that the Raptors is a good fit for him. Interesting. And that's why he's done. And that's why he, he should stay. I... I think I tend to agree with you in the short term but I really do think um, in order to make that jump because again so we talked about the fact that he's 27 but 
with the amount of mileage that on that's on his body, which is to say, um, perhaps not as much as other 27-year-olds in the league, um, and with the fact that he's pretty much stayed skinny throughout his career, so there hasn't been a great deal of impact on his joints. Um, of course, barring that ACL tear he suffered um, in his Oregon days, for the most part, he's got a very healthy body for, say, an average 27-year-old in the league. I think, as ridiculous as this sounds, I think with the natural ability he has and with some of the attributes he has, which we've talked about, um, I would see him as not only a regular starter for a team in, say, two, three years' time, but borderline all-star if he develops to, say, his maximum potential. So... For me, I what I would realistically what I would like to see is for him maybe to stay with the Raptors um, during next season and in the following season to make a decision for himself. I'm not sure what his uh, free agency looks like. I, I didn't look that up, but um, I would like for him the year after to maybe sign for like two years, 10 million or 12 million, and to get some starting minutes on a. Uh, perhaps a poor team mm, that's fair but it's all it's all about the development it's all about the development and development isn't all about minutes on the court it's all about what they do behind the scenes and the kind of systems they are coached in some players will fit better on some teams and it's, it's in any sport players fit better in different systems under different coaches I'm not sure with his personality I know he's a hard worker but he's also a hard worker that needs to be guided if you know what I mean yes uh, yeah so I, I think someone I, I, unless you've got a coach like Nick Nurse who's willing to mentor him maybe I mean, you know maybe you could look at someone like Greg Popovich but then again what have the Spurs done mm. with um, Jack, Jakob Pertl really he's, he's stalled hard in his development really so mm. you know it, it, uh, if, if it isn't broken don't fix it especially when he's on an upward trend I think um, but you, he's always going to be behind Siakam isn't he well he plays at, he can play at the 5 that's the thing so he can play at well, the and you wouldn't play Siakam at the 5 what do you mean because uh, that to me would make more slightly more sense maybe um, just because Siakam's got the extra inch uh I think perhaps playing Siakam at the five just for that but of course like with his ability to block and his verticality of course he's great but I just think 6-8 maybe is slightly undersized for like a regular sensor that's true that's true and yeah you're right in when Siakam while Siakam's on the Raptors he'll never exceed him but is he good enough to be will he ever be good enough to be a starter or will he always be that surprise I, I certainly think so I certainly think so well, that's yet to be seen. And I think, you know, I've mentioned his age is 27. I'm just, I'm just doubtful that he would start, ever start on a contender. Yeah, I it's good. I think with his... Sometimes have this agreement, yeah. Is, is he the, you know, just on his physicality, not his technic, technical ability or, or mental intelligence, but it's his physicality, right? He's six for eight and... So are you, are you talking about his lack of, lack of weight here? He's a skinny guy. He's a skinny guy. He's got, he gets bodied by the but bigger. He doesn't ones. play skinny though. He does not play skinny. He doesn't play it. He's but very strong for his frame. That's true, but 
we treat it, we're rightfully treating him like a young player who can get better. Part of youngsters' development in the, in the NBA is often physical, and I doubt at this stage how Boucher could improve physically, to be honest. He, okay, you know, and this is where I can provide a backstory. Please. Now, because um, the reason, well, uh, a big reason as to why he was so undernourished, and indeed when he joined Oregon, I, I believe he was around 165 pounds, which is pretty much what I weigh, um, which is absurd for somebody who's 6'8". But even then, uh, he did a very, very competent job. I mean, he, he led, uh, he was third in the nation in blocks and he, you know, he bodied up on his man. Um, but the, the reason he was so skinny was because he didn't uh, regularly eat, particularly during his period from when he was 16 to 18. He was very undernourished. And so like he, not only was he not eating, of course, he wouldn't be like going to the gym and working out. And um, like you said, with NBA teams, physical development is, I think, more heavily prioritized than it is in the college game. And so I only expect him to grow more and more into his body. And uh, even at this moment in time, again, he pay, he's extremely strong for his frame. Like um, he doesn't he doesn't get bullied by even many of the centers in the league, the ones you're talking about. So, uh, I mean, yeah, again, I disagree with you there, but... Uh, I think we've kind of discussed all we can discuss in terms of uh, his development as a player. Well, with that then comes, can he cope with his new body? Can he cope with his new muscle if he ever if he ever has it? You know, like um, there's a whole different range of factors here to to provide. And I think, listen, Matt, I want him to succeed as much as you do. I would love to see him, you know displace the likes of Ibaka and Gasol at that four or five position. But Yeah. Yeah. Let's see let's see if he develops a MIDI. Let's see if he strengthens his three and is a very becomes a reliable three point shooter. He has been very good and uh as you mentioned before in college, um he was even better. So you know we could see it go up well, again um, next Yeah interestingly at Oregon Oregon he was thirty five percent which doesn't translate fantastically to the NBA but um, this is something that we actually discussed before the episode if you want to mention it it's his uh, free throw shooting Kamel wow yeah okay let's finish on his free throw shooting so um why don't you why don't you give me his college stat just for context yes yeah so of course at Oregon where he was uh, more of a primary scorer um which meant he took more free throws he was around 65% from the free throw across his two years and um, even in Juco college he didn't shoot well from the free throw I can't quite remember his percentage right and um, compare that to the NBA in 2018 to 19 season last season he actually shot even better than this season he went up to 87% admittedly free throws but 79.6% on two free throws knocked down 80 yeah so 103 free throws in total he's knocked down 82 of them um it's not awful it's not awful you'd, well, you'd I, take I'd that say that's very man. good actually you take I, it I, from big man 
Yeah, absolutely it would. Um, I think, of course, Toronto is one of the best free throw shooting teams in the league. But, I mean, that's a meteoric rise in free throw percentage. And usually you would see it drop off from college to the NBA just because the pressure of the NBA. uh, Is the free throw line further back in the NBA? No, free throw line is the same every level of the game. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So that's bizarre. So that maybe that's a sign of his exceptional development um, and his potential for development with his shooting particularly. So Yeah, just needs to get to the line more now. Um, but Raul, thanks very much. That was a comprehensive history lesson in the life of Chris Boucher, an inspiring story for all. <laughs> no, uh, and it's genuine, serious, an inspiring story for all that uh, we can all learn from. And um, Chris, if you're listening to this, man, we love you, but stay inside, man. Stay inside, please. <laughs> you got to stay inside, bro. Please, man. I mean, um, if Don't do wanted... Rudy Gobert. Don't do Rudy Gobert. Don't do something stupid and touch microphones and take the piss out of it. Like, it's a serious thing. Yeah, well, uh, well on that, we'll do a quick um, sort of coronavirus update for the NBA. This is not in jest. This is a serious one. Um, obviously, Kevin Durant got it. Yes, uh, got it on Tuesday. Uh, he tested positive. Three unnamed Brooklyn Nets teammates. We're yet to guess who they were, but him and three teammates. And then, of course, you have Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, and Christian Wood. Um, Ibaka, of course, and the Raptors all tested negative, which is good for them. But they're going through self-mandated quarantine after that. Um, we don't know what's going on with the virus, but um, we'll, as we said at the start, we'll keep providing you content. And um, look also, look out for us on Hot Mic. We're going to be on there pretty soon. We just signed a partnership with them and are going to start some exciting new projects. It's going to be game watchbacks, live podcasts, and all that jazz. Varel, thanks for joining us once again on the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Balling in the Six before I forget. Yeah, and um, I guess on a departing note, uh, just try and stay positive, everyone, but also try and keep yourself safe and uh, actually take this uh, pandemic that's occurring seriously because uh, we're in the UK at the moment and although most people are, there are still people who are quite sceptical about it and I would just say that, you know, this is something that's very serious, but also uh, there's no need to lose your head because that's actually potentially going to make your situation worse so just try and stay calm but also try to keep it serious as well at the same time well great note to end on peace out